Chandler, are you excited for the end of the world? Yes. As we know it. It's it's a long we've had it a long time coming. Mm, well, if uh if you listen to my mom, we're uh we're only days out from being forced to stay inside of our homes as an entire country. I mean, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, but uh, you'll complain oh, when complain there's no more food. That's true. Yeah, it will a bit. And then the toilet you know, paper I, runs out and you have to to wipe your then ass. I, then I gotta wipe my ass of my old DVD slips. Uh, I read an interesting theory that mm-hmm. I I subscribe to, that being that um, one of the benefits, uh, a few of the benefits from this whole pandemic have been CO two levels are down, um, water uh, cleanliness is up. Uh, and a lot of animals have moved back into uh, areas that are now more or less deserted by humans. So the theory is that coronavirus is the um, is the antidote to us being the virus. Look, I don't, I don't want to sound like some kind of uh, crazy person here uh, or radical, uh, yeah. but uh, yes, <laughs> yes. No, I mean, it's just like know. the virus is a completely natural thing, part of the world. And I don't know, we're freaking out about it. It's like, oh, my God, it's the worst thing ever to happen. I'm like, yeah, but think about all the shit that we've done to uh, the environment. And it's it's just a little bit of payback. No big yeah, deal. You know, nature has to throw one at us every once in a while. It usually happens every uh hundred years almost to the year because 1920 it was a huge flu epidemic and 1820 saw another big pandemic when was the black plague uh it, it doesn't matter that one's a little worse uh, yeah just a tad a little, just a tad i don't know just bird uh was it the bird flu the spanish flu whatever it was Bird flu, that Spanish was bad. flu, swine was, flu. Wasn't that like which, a third of the world's population got infected with it? I don't know. I, well, I know the Black Plague killed a third of Europe. Well, yeah, that's just Europe. That's just Europe. Europe tends yeah, yeah. to to over place over importance on things that are happening to Europe. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't going to be disease killing everyone, it would have been Christians. So mm. I'd be curious. Just, what is the, like the was there like a Black Plague in? africa or something or what's well going on? oddly enough africa is one of the currently um least impacted uh parts of the world as far as coronavirus goes well thank goodness Very they have numbers. enough to worry about <laughs> i think i think uh, hiv overpowers coronavirus unfortunately mm. well yeah. i i have mentioned kind of similar to that theory but um that the coronavirus is nature's way of uh getting us to prepare for when uh, it actually sends a bad virus out of our way. Yeah. Uh, Cause coronavirus is, it, it's a, it's a softball pitch. You're just underhand tossing, tossing the human race. Uh, well, that, yeah, that's the thing is, is the actual the virus plus. Yeah. Or the flu plus the act, the actual disease itself. I'm not afraid of getting cause I'll be fine. I'm decently healthy. I've, got a pretty good immune system it's the fact that people are going crazy is what is a little more worrying the fact that half the economy has just stopped with little oh, to no far more worrying yeah agreed 
but you know, on the plus side, a lot more time to watch movies. I've seen a lot more. This is true. I've gotten over the past week more so than I've ever gotten. I've gotten texts and messages from uh, people I know asking like, oh, what should I watch? Really? People, people ask you this? Yeah, a few people at work, a few of my uh, siblings, a uh, few people online, you know. I, Must I, be nice. I get, it's because <laughs> they don't, they don't want to be uh, recommended Tarkovsky, Jacob. I'm sorry. Hey, I will never recommend Tarkovsky. Listen, I'm the one that recommended recommended Paddington 2 to everyone. So let's That's true. I helped. I also recommended Paddington 2 to everyone. Yes, but I did I ever tell you that the first time I watched that movie was on my laptop? Oh. Oh, Summer Child. Oh, and no. it was still it was wonderful. Still wonderful. But... I mean, I don't have anything against watching movies on laptops as long as you I think a huge part of the viewing experience is uh sound. So I like to watch yeah. a lot of my movies on the Criterion channel on my laptop with my noise-canceling headphones because it's kind of like a theater experience that you can move around. You uh, you know, I it's noise-canceling, so I'm not drawn out of the movie and I can pause it whenever I want. Do you uh, do you watch movies in the dark or do you have the lights on in the room? What's the, the I, I'm I'm currently living in a house full of seven people, my whole family, so I really can't be picky. If I if I have it my way, I have it in the dark with a nice sound setup. Um, but more often than not, these past few days since everybody's been home, I've been watching movies with you know people cooking in the next room or exercising with the music on. You know, I'm not complaining. But uh, as of right now, my current favorite viewing experience is laptop with headphones in my room in the dark. Hmm. Yeah. So, so what's the problem with me watching Paddington Two on a laptop? Well, yeah, I don't have one actually. It's just, yeah. yeah no, you're right. I, I redact a... my hesitation. <laughs> it was actually experience. an afterthought. I had, uh, I'd watched the first Paddington. Did you ever get around to watching that? Oh yeah, I watched it before I watched the second one. Oh okay, good. So I, I watched the first Paddington. I was like, this is delightful, and like, you know, I was feeling later on in the evening. I was feeling kind of down i wasn't feeling like 100 percent. i yeah. can't remember i might have been sick i don't remember and i was like oh, i could use a pick-me-up and well there's this paddington 2 it's gotten good reviews well, just throw it on why not i don't think i'll finish it maybe i'll shut it off and go to bed early uh boy did i underestimate my viewing experience mm. but uh yeah it, it's it's a good little pick-me-up it's one of the best pick-me-ups are speaking of uh pick-me-ups we did uh, a little a little uh, interaction with the outside world for this podcast which is ironic for the coronavirus podcast which everyone's social distancing and we're becoming more social on the podcast yeah um, yeah yeah so we've i went on to reddit specifically the criterion collection subreddit and asked people what are their favorite movies to uh watch or what are their routines movie watching routines when they're stuck at home sick and then i believe you did something what did you do what i did was i asked uh, on uh, instagram movies to watch uh in the quarantine you know movies to watch in isolation um i think the the message was a little lost because a lot of the suggestions i got were movies about isolation but what I did was I took all those movies about isolation and uh, I sort of compiled them into a top 10 list um, ranked in order of decreasing sanity. 
So they all have themes of isolation, loneliness, and a little bit of cabin fever, but I ranked them from nice, almost charming, a little uh, a little more on the sad than the crazy, all the way down to the just batshit insane. Mm. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go through a few of the, the comments, the responses I got, and then we'll go mm-hmm. through that list, because this may or may not uh, overlap a little bit, or maybe we'll find some, some ones to put on there. Uh-huh. Um, I go for it. Let's see. Uh Well, someone used to watch the the before trilogy, which is a good trilogy. It is a good trilogy. If you have a whole day, it's a great little thing to just watch on an yeah, I think afternoon. I got the the general vibe from a lot of people that they like watching longer movies when they're they're feeling sick. Yeah. Or they're stuck at home. Yeah, that's fair. A lot I mean, of what else are you binge gonna do? TV shows. I, for mm-hmm. one, whenever I'm home alone, I or sick, I prefer to um, play video games because if I watch movies while I'm sick, I often take naps when I'm sick, so I doze off halfway in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. no, bef- you know, long movies definitely occupy that space. I mean, it's not like it, it, when you're home alone, sick. You, that's really all you have time to do. You're forced to stay home, stay in bed, recuperate. So it's kind of the best time to go for these longer movies, as opposed to like a weekend or something. Hmm. There's one person that says they really like watching uh, westerns on when they're stuck at home, like Searchers, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which I just watched for the first time recently. Oh, how was uh, that? That's good. It's good. I, don't know. I feel it, like a, I feel like a lot of those um, pre revision the actual westerns, you know, pre revisionist mm-hmm. western era. Every time you watch one, you're just like, yeah, it's all right. I, I don't. I think it's John Ford, or was it? Hmm. The man who shot Liberty Valance was not John Ford. No, the man who John, shot Liberty Valance who was. Oh, wait, wait, don't don't say it. <sighs> Poop. Why, why can't I think of it, Chandler? I'm going to look it up because I have have an interesting little tidbit about the man who shot Liberty Valance. Oh, it is John Ford. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. Is it? Oh, okay. Well, I I was right. Well, quick, quick side note about uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance is that um, it is a movie that... um, john ford and tom or john ford and john wayne kind of made as a response to high noon no not that one. Oh, is that a different one it was red river oh all right no well, no not red river okay, red river is a different one and it was best western movies God, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch myself awesome. for not remembering all this. Very memorable films, apparently. Hey, I I don't know. The brain <laughs> isn't working today. Also, uh quick side notes, I would like to make a quick redaction. Well, I'm I'm about to make a redaction on my twenty nineteen list because uh I was watching a movie last night that I think I might put above Uncut G- or um Marriage Story and Parasite. Hmm. And it's uncut gems. But I'm only halfway through, so I'm going to see if the other half solidifies that opinion. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Lighthouse moved up a spot or two on my 2019 list. Oh my god, did it make the top ten? 
It was already in the top ten. Was it really? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Nice. No. nice. Uh, Rio Bravo. Rio Bravo. That's yes. right. Yes. I don't like Rio Bravo. You don't? Oh, okay. No. I, I, I have yet. I think it's boring. I've yet to see it, but I want to see the song about a donkey. I, apparently, a lot of people really like Rio Bravo, and I think yeah. it's one of it's one of my um, hot takes on cinema. You have a lot of hot takes about westerns. To be fair, do I though? I don't know. I feel like you find most of them boring, except for the more stylized ones. Yes, but you know, you're just not a John Ford guy. That's I've okay. seen a lot of westerns, so it's not I like, know you have. I love the genre. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, John Ford has never really done it for me. I think. It, yeah, it's just he has this very kind of. It's a very quintessential um, style. Yeah, it's almost it, like, like it, it's 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 everything about the western distilled to its simplest form. Yeah, and I don't think he really does scene construction from a conflict standpoint all that well. Yeah, right. Like, there's not a building of tension or stakes or conflict throughout the movie that really um draws me into it there is that stuff it's just the way he does it doesn't really work for me as well as it does maybe for other people um we can see that i don't know i i really it's later on in the list so but i, I will say this about the searchers right now because that's the one i've seen of his the most and my problem with that is like there's it's just the whole middle section is like what happens why do i why is it engaging when they're just looking for someone for years and years and yes it's thematically resonant but it doesn't there's no stakes or tension for a lot for many of the scenes in the movie um for me i'll have to rewatch it again we'll get to that well we'll get to it we'll get to it yeah uh now you can add this to the title of the podcast movies to watch in isolation the gold rush and fuck westerns yep <laughs> what are we even talking about well we were we were going through the um the, oh yes the, yes yes the reddit yes. the reddit answers yes yes but yeah cartoons that was an answer and i would agree with that i think good old tom and jerry would be if i had cable would be a great thing to watch tom and jerry sick. tom and jerry and looney tunes yeah i was under i never really watched a lot of looney tunes it was mostly tom and jerry for me but they're both the same principle so yeah i enjoy me some see i'm the opposite i always found tom and jerry boring as a child and now i kind of like them but i love the looney tunes Hmm. yeah so that's that's about it for the subreddit i did want to say an interesting few uh one if you had any interesting stories about when you were sick and movies you watched while you were sick but i will say that the most pivotal, I'd say the most pivotal day in my entire movie watching existence was when I was sick. And this was back in freshman year of college. And I was just, I decided to do nothing for the entire day because I wasn't feeling good. I was like, you know what? Today's the day I am going to watch a few foreign films and make a day of it. Make a, make a marathon. And yeah. this was like the first time I had ever made the effort to sit down and watch foreign language movies i watched a south korean movie that day called masquerade mm-hmm. ironically the, the the first south korean movie i, I chose to watch was not one of the big by ones. any like uh, yeah. yeah not by any like uh, the famous directors which is yeah. weird because i searched best south korean movies and that you got masquerade before you got 
anything. I don't I don't know what drew me to it, but that's the one I watched. And mm. it's a good movie. Uh, I probably need to watch it again. It's not as good as I probably thought of it back then. Uh, but later on in the evening, I watched The Seventh Seal and oh. Eight and a Half. Oh. And wow did that that just changed my whole perspective on movies that that last half of the day day and night i i fondly remember being sick the other time i got sick i think it was junior year junior year i got sick and i was watching toy story for the first time in many years uh and i had food poisoning so this was the Uh, first time i had thrown up since i was like five years old it's not great no so now i think if i ever watch toy story again i will I will have memories, flashbacks to of that. barfing. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Any interesting stories from you? Uh, the I did, I have always had a pretty solid immune system, so when I'm sick, I'm not that sick. I mainly play video games when I'm sick, but one day I do remember being really sick. Uh, I had a bit of the flu, and I got it on a Friday, so I thought, oh, just an early start to the weekend. I'll spend this first day suffering, and then the other day is will be fine. So what I decided to do, because I was a very young lad, was I had all the Star Wars films on VHS, and I watched all three, and it was fun. <laughs> that's that's the extent of my sick tales. Well, that, uh... but yeah, I watched all three Star Wars movies in one sitting, and I've tried, I've tried multiple times to do something like that again, where mm-hmm. I tr- I've tried to watch all three Star Wars movies in one sitting. I've tried to watch. Um, uh, all three Toy Stories in one sitting, and I tried to watch all three Lord of the Rings in one sitting. Oh, that's hard. And the closest I got was Toy Story. I got about halfway through the two towers, and I quit. Um, I got to the uh, Return of the Jedi, and I quit. And then I got about halfway through Toy Story three, and I quit. You're Which is a, weird because I don't mind watching three movies in a day. Mm-hmm. I am. I don't mind watching multiple movies in a day. I watched three movies yesterday. But well, that's, for a, that's reason, a lot of content. Have three movies in the... That's like on the same it level, is. the same thematic, exploring, same yeah, characters. You maybe just... it's that lack of variety that. Yeah. Yeah. After a while, you kind of feel like you've seen everything. I feel like you'd be watching like a seven hour long movie because it feels all like the same thing. Yeah. So when you're watching different movies that have nothing True. to do with each other, True. when you stop one. And you take a little break and you start another. You yeah. feel like you are onto something new and different, and it shakes things up a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah. maybe I should try to watch a trilogy. In I do day. think the next time I get sick, I'm going to attempt. Eh. If there's one trilogy I think I could watch in a day, it's the Before trilogy. Well, I could. Okay, the only two trilogies I am confident I can watch in a day are the Before trilogy and the Apu trilogy. You know, I, I think could, I could do all three of those. I could probably watch the Three Colors um, trilogy in one day. That's a doable feat. I couldn't. <laughs> I see. Oh, uh, yeah. So what's this yeah. list of yours? I'd watch uh, Red. Oh, this list, yes. So it's a list about movies, about isolation, to an extent, some more so than others, uh, ranked in order of decreasing sanity. Uh, films to watch while you lock the door and try to ignore the world that is currently on fire. Common themes include isolation, loneliness, and cabin fever. This is taken from a Twitter poll or uh, an Instagram questionnaire, if you will. How many um, people answered? Uh, it, oh, about 13. And I took oh. 10 from okay. those. A lot more, um, you know, because a lot of the people we know are 
uh, from the ASU film school. So a lot of these are a little more um, atypical, uh, a, a little artsier. But we'll start with the least insane, which is The Breakfast Club. And I think this is a pretty solid movie, uh, especially when you're sick, you know, isolation. It's a bottle movie. It's one that you can tackle in an afternoon. Um, it's lighthearted. It's fun. It's very quintessential 80s. Not really what uh, I, I would have we... thought of, first of all, but I don't mm-hmm. know. It makes sense. I think it might be a pretty good movie to watch. What you're feeling. Oh, feeling a, little a, a majority. A maj- it's not about this one isn't necessarily about sick movies. It's a it's movies. I know, that, but it does work yeah. as that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got I got a a three colors blue thrown in here. Who threw that in? I I don't want to lay names, but I'll tell you later. Oh, but well, yeah, tell me now and I'll cut it out. Blue. Three colors blue. Uh, I threw this one in here. Um, oh no, I didn't throw this one in here. I threw the next one after this in here. Uh, I also got the gold rush from a friend of mine. Ironically mm. enough, I got the gold rush in here. Uh, from a friend of mine for my film history class because uh, you know a lot of this movie we'll get to is taking place in a cabin isolated mm-hmm. um, after that this is the one I threw in here in Bruges kind of uh, isolated movie people that are stuck in this place nowhere to go nothing to do uh, rear window very much an isolation heavy movie and sort of about the paranoias that one can face when bottled up in your house for extended periods of time hmm uh it comes at night i know i've never seen this one i've never this seen is one it. of two movies on the list i haven't seen so i'm gonna assume uh the shining <laughs> perfect uh lock in your house kind of movie oh, very i'm not as big of a fan of this one as other people and certainly other kubrick movies but i do enjoy this one quite a bit uh the next one seems to be the biggest movie on the planet right now contagion which i haven't seen have you seen it i have not no Okay, interesting. I remember when this came out, and it was a pretty big deal when it came out for a bit. It definitely stirred some paranoia in people, and I find it interesting that it's come back in such a big way. Uh, well, it's very apropos two, uh, for the current. It uh, Well, yes, very much so. Um, the Thing, great uh, isolation movie. And uh, the most insane that I have on the list is, of course, our beloved The Lighthouse. That's so, the yeah, most that's, insane? Uh, of all of those ten, I think so. Mm. Mm. I mean, Contagion is more insane on a sort of global scale. I've also have the hot take that the lighthouse is just a better version of The Shining. Uh, that is a hot take. I know, I know it's a hot take, but it's my hot take. It's my split take, if you will. Well, um, I, w- I guess I won't fight you on it. Well, yeah, there you go. I feel like some other some other good isolation movies might be uh room room yeah room's a solid one stalker from tarkovsky <laughs> he you said 20 minutes ago you wouldn't recommend tarkovsky i, d- I never said i was recommending them i'm just saying that That's these are fair. isolation okay. movies solaris right. i would never recommend solaris i hate solaris <laughs> that's a good isolation movie what else we got i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot around look at my blu-rays I, for one, went with the whole apocalypse theme over the weekend because everybody's watching Contagion. I thought, oh, broke Contagion, woke Dr. Strangelove. 
so that's what I watched last week. Have you ever seen Insomnia? Nolan? Nolan's the one with Al Pacino? Yeah. No, I have not. That's a that's a good isolation movie, kind of. But you know, it's not necessarily he's not necessarily isolated, but he's in a place where you know the midnight sun and starts going a little a little crazy. I think, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good one. There's some uh, interesting ones. I'm sure there's there are plenty options for people who want to uh, if they're if they're already feeling the the coronavirus fever and they want to feel even more uh, on edge. Take a look at The Lighthouse or Contagion. Yeah, see, these ones, as much as I love this list, part of me thinks like, oh, can't we just get something a little more lighthearted? <laughs> I feel like people need that more than anything. So I'm going to go ahead. I'll suggest uh, Paddington 2, obviously. Um, oh, I many, like... We've probably already recommended it at least five times, but Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, Underrated yes. sick movie. Yes. That's... I don't think that's an underrated movie. That's well, just no, it's, a great movie. It's a, no, no, it's not an underrated movie. It's a, it's a good sick movie, even though he's not technically sick. So never mind. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I really enjoy the high school hangout movies on my uh, days off. I like Dazed and Confused. Uh, maybe American Graffiti. Although if I can only handle so much George Lucas. <laughs> Ladybird, super bad. Uh, Amelie. No people like that one. School of Rock with Jack Black. Final answer. Speaking of Jack Black, I think, and cartoons, Kung Fu Panda. That's a trilogy oh, you could watch. Oh, yes, Kung Fu Panda. Um, I know a lot of people like the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. They do. Um, I don't know why. Have you seen um, them? All three yeah, of them? I've seen all three. Yeah, how are they? First one's really great. Second one's pretty <laughs> good. Third one's just fine. It's just there. It, so how does it stack it just up? Seems like it seems like a yeah. trilogy to me, like nothing. How does it stack up compared to the Kung Fu Panda trilogy? About the same, you know, okay. where it like the first film is a really good one that it's kind of like a classic of animation from back uh-huh. in the, the 2000s. And then the other two are yeah, pretty good. They're not, you know, not breaking I love new the ground, second one. But, yeah, I love the second one. Uh, as far as Kung Fu Panda goes, I like the second one more than I like the first one. Uh, well, that you will stand alone on. Well, shit. Uh, I think this is also a good time for people to finally watch The Irishman. And don't say you don't have the time. You know, I was going to say this is a good time for you to watch uh, An Elephant Sitting Still. I was going to start that today. Either Well, okay, I was going to start that today. But I also want to get a head start on Yee Yee. Yee. I'm so excited for Yee how long is Yee Yee? It's under three hours. It's like two hours and 48 minutes or something. I might just do that then. Because I got to do Roma and Yee Yee. And I also want to watch um, Brighter Summer Day. But no, maybe I'll wait on that one. Well, that's later on. Is it really? Yeah. Brighter yeah. Summer Day is higher than Yee Yee? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was... Not much higher, but oh, okay. still, well, it'll, it'll take wait. us a, a few weeks to get there. So this week, we for our BFI movie of the week, we watched the Charlie Chaplin classic black and white silent film, The Gold Rush. And from 1925, although there was a re-release in 1942, I believe. Yeah, and see, then, I was going to ask you about that. Because what version did you watch? I watched the 1925 one. 
Okay, so did I. I wasn't aware that... Okay, so I did a little bit of research on this, which mm-hmm. is, you know, we're flipping the roles here a bit. Good. Because uh, I was curious. Chaplin, I enjoy a lot of the Chaplin movies I've seen. I find Charlie Chaplin to be a very interesting figure. Because I feel like he is the sort of first first classic example of a genius asshole. <laughs> um because he he's definitely a bit of a perfectionist and we'll get into that later but i found it interesting that um so the history of this movie is that this movie comes out in 1925 uh 25 uh, yes 25 and this is sort of around the time where um uh silent films are at their peak but we're sort of moving slowly away from that into the the quote-unquote talkies and charlie chaplin's famously opposed talking film because he thought he took a lot of the artistry out um, that you instead of showing you're telling which I do agree with to an extent Uh, I feel like a lot of the people like Orson Welles who famously didn't like shooting on color I feel like a lot of people who are um, resistant to change have you know little bits of reasons to be um, while also ignoring the benefits that changes can bring but this was released in 1925 and when was the re-release out? 1942. 1942. So around I then, think. silent films are completely gone. They're completely out of the theaters. And Charlie Chaplin um, decided to re-restore this movie, add a little bit more, and uh, add some sound to it for new audiences, which got him Academy Award recognition, uh, recognition oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but oddly enough, of all the movies he went back to to add more and add sound to, it was this one because this one he was quoted as saying, this is the film he wanted to be remembered for. Huh. He he considers this movie to be his masterpiece. I I don't, but... <laughs> it is an interesting thing to to hear well, from the director. Yeah. That, like, this is a movie. Because with Orson Welles, Orson Welles was never like, Hated oh, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is my magnum opus. Uh, no, no he, I mean, he didn't like it. Well, I mean, he was, he, he was he did. over uh, it. He, yeah, he was just tired of all the bullshit um, yeah, yeah, yeah. surrounding it. Um, but then, like, I think he had a soft spot for Magnificent Ambersons. But um, well, he was never, like, outright saying, oh, this is the my movie choice yeah um and you know you don't have director it's very rare like wes anderson or paul thomas anderson a lot of like the modern auteurs none of them are coming out and saying this is my movie my magnum opus um yeah so Uh, it's a bit of a unique thing in the history of film for a director to be saying that of his own work and mm -hmm. i guess i can see why I don't know. That would require there, us to begin talking about it. So I feel like we should yes. state so, our basic opinions on the Gold Rush. So I enjoy it. Uh, I've seen a good amount of Chaplin. Okay, not a good amount. I've seen a respectable amount of Chaplin movies. And I think so far this is sort of around the middle. Um, I definitely enjoyed it, though. Uh, and I am just there's so many different practical elements to just the filmmaking that just blow my mind. Um, for example, the fake town, the, uh, you know, the Alaskan town, right. Uh, that was all created in a set. Uh, of course. and all of that fake snow is flower. <laughs> of course. <laughs> fake snow, particularly in earlier films, never looks like actual snow. It, well, that's the thing is there's moments where I'm, I was, uh, I was convinced 
And I honestly didn't know until um, I was I found out later that that town was fake. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously it looked constructed, but I, I couldn't tell it was a, a studio lot. Um, but there's just some amazing practical effects in here, like um, the miniatures they use for the uh, the the uh, cabin over the cliff with the little oh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin dangling out. You um, got you got some matte paintings with the uh, the climbers in the very beginning with them yeah. climbing up the hill, the mountain. Charlie Which Chaplin looks... is on the edge of a mountain with a bear for like five seconds. Oh, it's, it's funny too. Yeah. Uh, the um, one of the. Oh, another one is when the cabin itself is tipping over and the interior shots of the cabin, you can see everything moving back and forth. Um, I learned how they did that. They just basically had like ropes around the cabin and they had hordes of very strong men pulling the cabin left and right <laughs> as it was happening. I'm just so much of that just blows my mind. And, you know, what I like a lot about a lot of these silent Chaplin movies is that they never really, as far as I'm concerned, overstay their welcome. They're usually brief, 80 to 90 minutes. Um, I do feel like a lot of the movies, this one in City Lights in particular, I find to be a little narratively inconsistent. Thoroughly entertaining, consistently entertaining, but as far as the actual narrative goes, the first like third is like a cabin fever survival story. The second third is him trying to woo this prostitute. And the third act is kind of a... A, a callback to the first act but with another weird twist of them trying to survive over a cliffside and then becoming rich i feel like those individual acts all work well together but when you try to string them as a whole three act structure narrative it's a little jarring i feel especially when you see how much he spent a lot of time on the script as well this film has what we would call today a sequence of where the the scenes themselves are constructed around different set pieces. Yeah. It's almost like an action film that we yeah. would today where you have, you know, the first is the, the snow the snowed in cabin sequence, the tavern sequence, the new year's sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least for me, I have and always will admire Charlie Chaplin's ingenuity and creativity because every film that he has ever made has that in in excess so that's that's not the issue and i would agree yeah. with you it's it's the story that was just um kind of there i don't know i i you know i, it, I, I was entertained by this film this film is really it's pretty great for a silent movie because yeah. often i find myself just really bored by silent movies oh just wait till mm-hmm. sunrise and mostly that's because of a lack of connection with the characters. And I don't necessarily think that's because they're silent because there are silent films I really love. Yeah. Um, but it's just there are there are techniques and ways of storytelling that were developed afterwards that are more akin to what I like. Um, but with the gold rush, I felt because, you know, you have this. It's about the tramp who is going to Alaska to do something, I guess, prospect for gold, but he doesn't really seem to be doing any of that until the end. Uh, yeah. And then it's that's... inadvertent. <laughs> um, and it's a movie called The Gold Rush, and it has very little, for like almost the entire middle section of the film, very little to do with The Gold Rush. Yeah. Also just interesting, not necessarily a complaint on my part, just uh, 
a little observation there. And I don't know, the weakest part for me, I kind of would have enjoyed more slapstick regarding uh, mining for gold. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the, the unique and interesting part of that setting. Because you could, you could have the tavern and generic almost romance in any silent film. And Charlie Chaplin has done that before in other films. Um, so that was not necessarily unique or new for me. What was new was all the cabin sequences and then the stuff at the end. And that's the stuff I like the best about the movie. Um, yeah. But it does flow pretty well. So I can't it, complain all that well. All it that just much. seems like the the narrative is there as an excuse to go from set piece to set piece. And then when you get to a new set piece, it just becomes a matter of how many gags can I get out of this building? Well, and yeah, but I, also, you... I didn't think there was all that many gags at least compared to something like modern times or yeah. another chapter. Yeah. Film. Well, the thing is when you really think about this movie, just overall where it goes and what happens, I'd say a good 60 to 70% of this movie takes place in a cabin. <laughs> it's not necessarily the same cabin, but it's a lot of cabin stuff. And it's one of those things that I don't even think about until now, because he just manages to make each cabin, the, the, not only the way that the cabin functions in the story, but just, the kind of uh, the various things that the tramp has to go through. It makes everything feel very fresh. Uh, I have a few interesting um, observations as far as influence goes, because mm. for some reason there's a few times where in this, where I just thought of Paul Thomas Anderson in general. Oh, sure. Uh, I think a huge, one of the big ones that jumped out to me was the whole new year's Eve sequence you know, inside the tavern with all the streamers and the signs and the people dancing. I just yeah. thought, damn, this reminds me so much of the New Year's party in Phantom Thread. Yeah, just the way of. There the was, set design was and everyone yeah. partying. There was a section in that, in that uh, party where they all sing Old Ang Syne. Um, yeah. And it, it's like showing all the faces of the people around the, the tavern. Mm. And I thought that was that was the most emotionally connecting piece of the film probably because yeah. the song is emotionally connecting but also the camera is focusing on interesting faces and you kind of like you read into people about their hopes and dreams about the gold rush and all that and it, hard lives and hard times and that's kind of the only time i ever really got the feeling that oh they're actually going through some 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 bad stuff the rest of well, the time that- everyone just kind of like shrugs off oh it's cold i never got mm-hmm. the feeling it was cold um, well, you also have to, I, I think one of my favorite, just going off of that, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was Charlie Chaplin eating his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact about that shoe, um, it was uh, made of licorice, mm. uh, and he shot the scene of him eating the shoe, approx- I think 65 times. <laughs> I because would, I would jump out of a window before eating licorice I, that many times. Yes, because he was all he went to the hospital because he got really sick from eating that much licorice. Mm. Um, and I'll get into this in a second because there's a lot of very interesting stories about the making of these movies just just because of the perfectionist nature of Charlie Chaplin. Um, but I think this is one of those movies where uh, one of the things that I don't know, it kind of bothers me when you have movies like this that are written and directed and starring one person that you kind of feel like there are elements to the characters they play that serve as a sort of ego boost where you're trying to uh, sort of portray this character, sort of reflect um, how you want to be portrayed in real life. I find that a huge issue that I have with a lot of Charlie Chaplin movies that the tramp is 
this he's super selfless and he's super kind and he's he's sort of the the uh the nice guy trope that we find today the also an idiot super, but, you know yeah it's not perfect well, but there is yeah. a lot of almost <laughs> wish fulfillment with some of the things it always you, works out for him yeah yeah have you heard of the term simp no well it's a it's a it's a popular term that's going around right now uh, i'm gonna go ahead and pull up the urban dictionary definition because Ooh. it is uh simp a simp is a man that puts himself in a subservient slash submissive position under women in hopes of winning them over without the female bringing anything to the table so it's like this it's like this meme word that's being thrown around right now with like people who are giving money to female streamers they're sort of you know pledging their love to these girls that don't care about them at all and it's it's funny i see a lot of simp memes and stuff like that it's a buzzword thrown around right now and i just thought man charlie chaplin originated this kind of story um but going off of that like i tend to forgive the half-baked romances of movies in this time period because it was a time where you wanted escapism you wanted fantasy romance something like that but i just sure. can't get over how god uh, well if she goes with him at the end because he has money well, yeah, there's that, and, you know, there's there's that part where, you know, she feels bad yeah. about, I think this is before she learns he has money. So well, she's I never, like, oh. I never got the feeling that it was a romance whatsoever. She's just like, oh, I feel bad. Well, and he's that's a friend. Well, that's, that's what I felt too. But then you see the note that she writes and saying, I'm sorry, I love you. And I'm just like, ah, even for this time, that's too much of a jump for me. Just a little bit. And I think this is one of those movies where, um, all the other supporting characters are kind of not necessarily on the same level, but very high up there with Chaplin as far as what they're bringing to the table. Um, specifically the big guy in the sure, cabin, big Jim McKay. He's, he's hilarious with his funny face. And then there's yep. that one shot where he walks into the camera. Where he's yep. Like, he's getting lost. That was mm -hmm. another, that was one of the few times I've ever disagreed with Charlie Chaplin in a directing mm -hmm. choice. He's yeah. like, why are you having him wander towards us when he's supposed to be lost? <laughs> That seems counterintuitive, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Chaplin. I think Georgia was also, her name is, the actress's name is Georgia as well. Mm. Georgia Hale, I think, was fantastic in this. And oh, yeah. Two, there are two, a lot of interesting faces, which I think is yeah. important for a silent film. Yeah. Uh, two quick uh, trivia bits. One, uh, at the time of filming, Charlie Chaplin and Georgia Hale were kind of together, having a fling. Uh, but by the time they, you know, he wanted to redo the movie in 1942, they weren't a thing anymore. Um, so he cut out the kiss in the 1942 version. <laughs> I did hear that the ending was different and I was wondering what yes. the difference well, was in that. That explains it. Well, because they shot so much of this movie that didn't make it in this, this, there was around 27 times more film shot than appeared in the final movie, which wow. is crazy to me. Um, but another fun trivia fact is that the guy who played big, big Jim, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, big Jim McKay. Big Jim McKay, the guy who played Big Jim McKay, quit halfway through the production because Charlie Chaplin's a maniac. Um, Charlie Chaplin let him quit, and then after a while, Charlie Chaplin's like, okay, can you come back? And he finally got him to come back. But during this time, he had already shaved his beard, and Charlie Chaplin didn't want to put a fake beard on him, so they halted the production until he grew his beard out. And that oh. is a thick beard. That would it take months. It is. It's a bushy. Months. Bushy, that bushy. That would take months. Yeah, so a lot of the extras that were on the um, 
uh, set, you know, like in the opening shot, walking up the hill, they were paid mm-hmm. around seven dollars a day because he was also notorious for very low wages. Um, while the dog <laughs> that Charlie Chaplin uh, dragged around was paid thirty five dollars for his scene. <laughs> wasn't wasn't he accused of being a communist later on? Charlie Chaplin? Yeah. I'm sure he was. I don't know. Well, um, couldn't he have just gone to Congress and say, look, I love slave labor in my films. How uh, could I be a communist? Yeah, he's he's definitely not the greatest man that, that Charles that Charles Chaplin. So the thing that worked, I think, the thing that really elevated the film, a lot of its sequences for me, was its use of, and I'm not sure, I think this is probably Chaplin's decision, although a lot of a lot of silent film scores have been like they were put on later or right? yeah yeah because they didn't at first like particularly the old old silent films they couldn't even do sound whatsoever it was just literally mm-hmm. silent um and then they'd have like an orchestra playing while they yeah uh, played the film so i'm gonna guess this was chaplin's decision at least at some point um the fact that they use so many famous classical pieces of music yeah i know you I haven't seen it yet for some ungodly reason but 2000 it reminded me of 2001 <laughs> a space odyssey let me just say like, i was planning on seeing that uh tuesday or the tuesday after and hey the movie theaters are closed so. hey coronavirus <laughs> um uh, well yeah also, it, it felt like a lot of the sequences like near the end when they're the house is tilting and it's the flight of the bumblebee yeah that yeah. music that kind of frenetic music really elevated the um the slapstick acting because i don't think there wasn't that many jokes per se it was more about the yeah performance the, yeah the, the there's no gags visual yes. gags there are some but they're very few and far between in the film that's yeah so that is it like that i think that's one of the huge differences between charlie chaplin and buster keaton because buster keaton his physicality was a lot of the times tied to jokes um, whereas Charlie Chaplin, it was ne- it wasn't necessarily about the gags, the humor, or just the way he sort of reacted to a lot. Um, you know, one of the most famous scenes of all time is the dancing roll scene. Oh yeah, and I think that is just quintessential Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else can make that work as well as he did. Um, I, I was I was re- uh, listening to a podcast about this and they made an interesting observation that I think what really sets Chaplin apart from other people is take the scene where you're eating the shoe, where they're eating the shoe. Um, a lot of movies, the gag would be that they're eating the shoe. They're dying. They're eating a shoe. It's funny. It's a shoe. You're not supposed to eat it. And that is sort of represented by Big Jim. He's just kind of like, oh, I'm eating a shoe. Uh, this is horrible. Whereas Charlie Chaplin, not only is that the joke, but the way that he so elegantly prepares the shoe is the joke. You have him using the shoelace as a spaghetti noodle. You have him salting the shoe. And that's so just what you're saying of... is that Charlie Chaplin is intelligent about his jokes and that's what he... makes them good. Well, it's it's the yeah. Well, yeah. I, to sum no, no, it up, no. yes. yes. Okay. It's the way that he goes about presenting them, not necessarily the jokes themselves. Yeah. Because you know, it's not that funny eating a shoe, but the, the the level of care and detail he puts into how he eats the shoe is art. Yeah. So with the Gold Rush, I I think I would actually recommend this to plenty of people as a good introduction to silent film. Um. It yeah, it has enough going on and enough visual interest and to keep someone's attention, I think, 
particularly in you know compared to a lot of the other silent films that are just kind of oh you're kind of boring this was never i was never bored during yeah. this movie and that's probably yeah, it's to fun. its greatest credit that it's still engaging this time like a hundred years later a little less yeah. but um right so i would recommend it although i don't i don't think it is one of Chaplin's very best. I do think it's a pretty good work. Um, yeah. What is what is what are your thoughts on its placement here on the BFI list? It's tough because I am subscribed to the idea that I think you should have one movie per director on a list like this. And if I were to say, you know, is this my favorite Chaplin movie? Is this the one that deserves to be on there? I don't know. I can't say for certain. I think something like Modern Times is a little more um, interesting, a little more uh, representative of Chaplin as a whole. Well, um, would I, I will ups- say we do have more Chaplin on this list. So. Oh, I'm sure we have more Chaplin. So for the sake of the f- just for just for the sake of the idea that I think that this isn't the best Chaplin movie, I'm going to say no. I do think this is a fantastic movie, though, and definitely one of his best. And I think, like you said, it's a good entry point into Charlie Chaplin as a as a director. Um, but now I'm going to say no. A reserved no. Yeah, I'm just going to come out and say no. <laughs> uh, I feel, nothing I, against the movie I, itself. I just think yeah, because it's. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I think in comparison to a lot of other works by Chaplin himself and by other people that have come afterwards it's not i don't know it it, for me it's not even in like the conversation of greatest films ever made it doesn't enter that thought process in my head at all okay so imagine it's for me it's like gold rush is to modern times as boogie nights is to there will be blood boogie nights is fine Mm -hmm. it's a good movie it's a solid movie it's entertaining i would recommend it to people i know but it's not his best, nor is it the best of that era. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of my own little, little uh, metaphor. Metaphor. It would be like, um, it it would be like Eyes Wide Shut versus, uh, two thousand one. I haven't seen either. That's okay. They're both they're both great movies. I really love Eyes Wide Shut, but it is not Stanley Kubrick's. It's not like the the upper tier yeah. of it, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, the yeah, point. Exactly. we've already explained it. That's just yeah. how I'm going to think about it in my head. But um, yeah, but a solid good. movie regardless. Yeah, yeah. and it's, there's a lot of effort invested in this, and a lot of creativity that I think it's it's worth it's worth a watch. It's also short. So you can't it's, really go it's wrong. It's short and lim- it's just, I mean, silent films in general tend to feel like homework. Um, but this mm-hmm. one is entertaining. It's entertaining even by today's standards, I think. I, for, for, I don't want to jump the, the gun here, but mm-hmm. I would say if I am actually recommending silent, silent films for people to start watching, I'd probably say... Buster Keaton's The General or Modern Times would be probably the best places soup? to start. Hmm? You wouldn't say Duck Soup? No. Okay. <laughs> I need to watch Duck Soup again, but for me, oh, okay. personally, 
the general was probably one of the first silent films i've ever watched and certainly mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites and it's see just, the first one i ever saw is still my favorite and that is sunrise but we'll get to that still need to watch it I've, it has to be on this list it is it is okay. don't worry about that yeah all right. we'll wait i'll watch it we'll before wait. then too so oh you're gonna spoil yourself no do no. do with sunrise a... what i did with colonel blimp yeah but chandler this might be a year that's or fair more okay me. you're right that's fair yeah anyway i do you know i should watch movies twice anyway so that's yeah okay and there's right. a good chance i won't like something the first time i watch it so like colonel blimp i never Imagine... said I didn't like it i just didn't like it as much oh okay. didn't appreciate it for it's the true majesty of it of just just like British just like what's gonna happen when we get to taxi driver sure <laughs> yeah so we have next week i will next week from when this airs for everyone if uh, you're alive watching at home yes if you're alive please stay happy and healthy with the coronavirus and yep. listen to the podcast so the one after this which we recorded before will be uh colonel blimp and portrait of a lady on fire great yep. episode good content the timeline is fucked <laughs> it is and then after <laughs> that one uh, we will have our good friend Nick Johnson, who was on the Our Decade podcast. He will be back as a guest, and we will have a episode about family, and we'll talk Yee and Roma. So By Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso Cuaron. Yee. It's an episode about family. Edward Yang. Everything's yes. really about family when you get down to it. That's what makes it so powerful. Yes, yes. The Gold Rush is really about family. The family he uh, makes along the way. Yeah, you know, you got a little family of uh, millionaires marrying a prostitute. You kind of, you kind of can assume it a little bit. She was wearing an alarming amount of sequins for someone in Alaskan <laughs> mining town. It this not this exactly movie, practical. Yeah, modern times seems like the antithesis of McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Oh, that's exciting! I oh my god, you know what's crazy? Hmm. Is that you just brought that up and I have I'm literally looking at my DVD of McCabe and Miss Miller that I had been missing for months and I just found and not even the case, just literally the disc. I'm holding the disc. Listen, that is the disc. I I can hear it. Yeah. Is that on this list? Do we have any Altman on this list? We have to have Altman on this list. Uh, I think there's an Altman on this list. I don't know. Okay. I couldn't say for sure offhand. There might not be. Damn, that'd be a shame. Yeah, well, not that much of a shame. Okay, all right. Anyways, see you next week. See ya.